ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the season-ending episode of the Shups and Preds podcast. The Grey Cup is over. The Montreal Alouettes have gone full Phil Collins against all odds and defeated the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the 110th Grey Cup uh, to return the Grey Cup to Quebec. Incredible. Um, this week on the pod, Matt, Tyler, myself, you guys say hello. 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 Uh, and we'll be talking the Grey Cup game. We'll be talking the season that was. We'll be talking maybe a little bit about the season that will be. And of course, we will be announcing and acknowledging and in some ways celebrating uh, the 2023 push-ups and predictions, hashtag CFL predictions pool, prediction champion. There's a lot of, you said predictions like four times there, it felt I like. I just wanted to <laughs> drive it home that that's what we do here. We will be predicting. Um. Guys, how has your week been so far? What did you do to enjoy the Grey Cup? I lived I'm too far away to, to watch it live, so <laughs> I, I had I had to I had to I had to watch the I try. Luckily, they had the extended highlights. So I got like the fifteen minute highlights, which is oh, that's actually a, that's a good amount of highlights. That's a good. You get a solid idea of of what went on. Do, do I wish I got to see like a for me personally? Do I wish I had like a, like a twenty five minute highlight package, or even if I got to see some like kind of you know more well, grind the, grinding plays? That that would have been nice too. But you know, you get with with fifteen minutes, you're getting. Green Day halftime show was sick. Watch that as well, um, Matt. You were we were you were on the nose. They didn't do American Idiot, but they did do a song that spoofs on America. So so good call out there in the Preds. Um, I was surprised by the No American Idiot. I feel like that. I feel like it. I think even for nobody, them, I, yeah, helps I think, everybody, grows the economy type situation. <laughs> I, I think if they were trying to reach a U.S. audience, maybe they're like, please don't play that song. But they still. What was the other one they played? It was still uh, like not a pro America song. Um, it was off their uh, new album. Yeah, it was something like the, uh, American, American Nightmare. Yeah, there you go. American, yeah. Cody Rhodes. American Nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Cody it's Rhodes is the American de- Nightmare. Dedicated to Rhodey Rhodes. Yeah. Cody Rhodes. Uh, uh, oh, goodness. Come on, come on, come on, come on. It was called The American Dream is Killing Me Ooh. off their new album, Saviors. Ooh, I think that it. it is their upcoming album, so I think they were trying to. Just a little plug. That's their 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 lead single off the, it's the new so album. So difficult being like going back going back to the multi millionaire well. aging rock star. <laughs> did you see what did you, did you see what Jim Irsay said about getting it getting like a oh get, yes, DUI, DUI thing? Fantastic. He is persecuted chef, for being chef, a white billionaire. Shout chef, out, Chef's Kiss. Cocaine's <laughs> a hell of a drug, as they say. <laughs> Sorry, I man. Don't, how, how I don't watch the mind the the uh, Billy Joe Armstrong. I think he's fine. Like he's 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 not a great singer. But he's a good. Uh, the, good front the bassist man. Good and the drummer are like guys. You got to give it up. You're not 15 anymore. I at totally le- at least agree Billy that the Joe front, Armstrong the has front kind of... man has much more rope than the backup group. Yes, like that's he's, why like... he's kind of aged a little more gracefully. He he looks younger too. These guys are just the basses. Are you talking so about with the, spi- with the spiked with the spiked hair? Yes, yeah, so the yeah. big three eleven Tiger Army <laughs> sideburns. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I agree. the The front man gets a little bit of leeway, but come on, gentlemen. <laughs> you don't see Lars Ulrich out there looking like a ragamuffin these days. You do not. Um, but yeah, what a great cup it was. Um, really just, in, I mean, could you ask for more drama, a game-winning touchdown with eight seconds left? Yeah, uh, I mean, last season, forth, I mean, yeah, I could. Last Grey Cup, it's amazing. The Grey Cup delivers nearly every time. It's fantastic. Grey Cup's incredible, man. Yeah, it's been two two absolutely incredible. Three in a row. Three in a row. Yeah. Hamilton overtime yeah. game against OT. Yeah. OT. Three in a row. That We came back from the pandemic pretty damn strong. Pretty damn strong. It is tough, though. You know, sometimes it feels like it can be a slog to get here. But if there's that reward at the end of the tunnel, it's always worth it. It's always worth it. So with that being said, let's get into the details, guys. 
Montreal wins 28-24, to uh, scoring a touchdown in the closing seconds. Cody Fajardo uh, to our guy, Tyson Philpott. Um, Cody Fajardo named Grey Cup MVP. Uh, he played the best game of his season, uh, maybe the best game of his life. 21 for 26, 290 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, he rushed for 18 yards, including a massive, massive scramble uh, on the game-winning drive. Um, MOC, which I don't think, or sorry, MVC, which I don't think has a very good ring to it. I wish they would just keep to MOP, MOC for the Grey Cup, but it's yeah. it's actually it Grey Cup. Sense that they MVC switch it up, yeah. Um, was Tyson Philpot six receptions, 63 yards, one. Tuddy, he also uh, had some pretty solid uh, return action, had uh, three punt returns uh, for 49 yards with a long of 30. So cannot clown on my man for the way he got down uh, getting his first Grey Cup. Um, On the other side of the ball, Winnipeg, Zach Caleros. Second year in a row. Not uh, setting the world on fire in the Grey Cup. No tutties, one interception. Uh, Brady was the man, as expected. Uh, 119 yards and a touchdown. Um, And then, you know, Kenny Lawler played well. Nick Dembski played well uh, defensively. Winnipeg uh, did get to Cody, uh, as we thought they would. Um, But, you know, uh, not enough, obviously. So uh, (laughs) that's the way she goes. So. Matt, I'll let you kick it off here. Give us your thoughts. Give us your takes. Yeah, I, I think my my big take is how how well Montreal played because oh. they actually I feel like could have won by more. They had a couple of really actually more than a couple really big bungles that should have put you know one or two of them could have and probably should have put them away. Uh, Winnipeg should have capitalized, but they had four. So uh, I count the two punts OB, the fumbled punt, obviously, and then the failed uh, goal line, you know, the drive, the Winnipeg goal line. Punts were tough, man. Really, really rough out of the punt squad. I know that (laughs) Janarian Grant is a formidable foe, uh, but you have to be a little – a little more uh, confident than that instead of just punting it right out of bounds. Um, I do think they got a huge gift from the called dropped pass in the, uh, in the final drive. I think that um, I think that actually was a fumble by Montreal. Ooh. We're not going to get into it. I, I think they, I think they did, I did not think, make a football move. Did not make a football move. How can you catch it facing Cody and fumble it? facing the other way i think if you uh, his pivot, momentum was taking him up here. i do believe my my interpretation a pivot is a football move but nevertheless that was that would have only have been the fifth in a, a line of really big bungles and yes. you know winnipeg obviously had the uh interception um brady fumble an interesting Brady did, I, I, that was more of a strip than a fumble he got the diff, great play yes. by the defender like that wasn't a, an accident thing that was that just ripped away from him after that interception Kenny Lawler was not targeted that is incredible it seems like a mistake so, in hindsight maybe so um, but yeah so I, I think the my big banner billboard Cody played incredible uh, all of the receivers played incredible defense played incredible uh, Willie Stanback, you know, had definitely his one big run accounted oh. for almost 50% of his total yards, so but having a touchdown, like he got into it. Um, they played really, really well. And I think would have, could have won by even more, if not for some, some silly mistakes. And, uh, I think just, just nerves maybe. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. T press thoughts. Got a couple thoughts. Um, I think the the first one is it's really underwhelming. Okay, again, you have to remember I didn't watch the full game, so I'm talking about what I saw on the highlights. So you can tell me if I'm I'm off base here. Um, some 
some poor play, uh, or at least, I, again, I don't know if it was poor play or the defense for Montreal just, just stepping up, but pass, pass pro for, for Winnipeg was not good. Even on plays where Zach Glaros wasn't getting hit, or uh, wasn't getting sacked, he was getting, he had people in his face. Uh, you know, it was not clean pocket for him to be able to, to throw the ball. Um, you know, a lot of his, you know, a lot of his best throws were, you know, on having to move outside the pocket and sort of like huck it a little bit. You yeah. know, you look, you look at that stat line. I mean, nineteen to twenty-three, pretty solid, but only twenty-three pass attempts is just not very many. <laughs> um, uh, um, you know, and and, and Bo looks like, I mean, he played a, a solid game. I mean, he played the Bo as a Bo stat line that you would have said probably would have won them the game. It it, it didn't. Um, so of course, uh, jokes on us, right? All season we we bang in the drum about the running game, you know, leading to victory, and that's that's just not what happens in the in the Grey Cup. Um, and then uh, also, so secondary wise, like I don't know, was was it just Dalton Show and Kenny Lawler just sort of not getting open that much? Were they just kind of getting blanketed or, Goodness. or, or were they just getting shut down? Because I have to say, you know, I'm going to have to, I think because of the consistency, you got to credit the the secondary from Montreal because they played, you know, ostensibly the two favored best quarterbacks in the CFL the last two games. And they, one of them, they just, you know, read him like a book and in this, and in this game more just like had it, had it kind of unlock, um, so I think Montreal's secondary it also is just was played absolutely out of their minds, which goes to the other side. Winnipeg's secondary was not good in the highlights that I watched. Austin Mack did his thing. Cody was super accurate, being able to, to, to throw the ball a little farther down. I mean, you just look at his average averages to each receiver. You know, he's got four receivers with average receptions of, of over of over ten yards each. So. Um, yeah, and also Cole Speaker, Spiker, huge, huge. I know this is the only three catches, <laughs> only three catches. They were huge three catches. Him and Tyler Sneed, who, again, two guys who, you know, had okay seasons, fine, you know, like not even fantasy mention worthy. Like they, they, those seven catches they had seemed to pop up in the biggest moments. Um, yeah. And then I'll get to the Jamal Parker take later on the, on the big play, but we'll, John's we'll time. Talk. We'll talk, no, we'll talk about that later. Now's the time. We'll talk about it later. Or we'll talk about it now. No, John's John makes the rules. John, you make the rules. You because John make the rules, but we will go <laughs> you, over you the final drive rules. later. We will okay. go. Uh, we then will go over then the I'll, final I'll, drive. I'll, 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 it makes sense to save it for then. So John, I will we'll, just we'll, quickly say, and I think appropriately to Tyler's response to Tyler's uh, uh, points is that I do think we must give big ups to the Montreal defense. Obviously, I'm not going to pretend like the story isn't Cody Fajardo. Like, that's ridiculous. No, you can't ignore a story like this for him to play this kind of game uh, to win the Grey Cup. So, you know, as time goes on, it will be remembered as Cody's game. Montreal's defense was incredible. They were flying around everywhere. Uh, Darnell Sankey, big yeah. hits. Yeah. Um, Avery Williams, big hits. The hit that Uwak put on uh, Brady Oliveira was like one of the nastiest hits I've ever like it was just so full force um, and then here's a stat for just the Montreal defense uh, specifically their passing defense over the playoffs this is courtesy of our friend John Hodge of three down nation um, in the postseason the quarterbacks playing against Montreal combined for this is combined over three games. 300 or 632 passing yards one touchdown seven interceptions wow wow uh yeah they just played outstandingly well like you know i don't i know uh shown was hurt dembski was hurt and i think i appreciate that um but you hold winnipeg to no passing touchdowns in a game uh you're doing something right um so they held their own. Uh, the interception uh, on what was looking likely uh, to be a uh, Kenny Lawler uh, touchdown by KB on Ento, where if you watch the replay, um, Marshall Ferguson did a really cool breakdown of just 
the amount of ground he covered and all the play that went into it. It truly an incredible game saving interception, um, and just uh, just just really obviously kept Montreal in the game. Um, and I think you know the beauty of the CFL shone through in the end of this game, where possessions and advancing the ball quickly are at a premium. Uh, a game's never over. Um, it was just awesome, an absolutely absolutely awesome affair. Um, and with that being said, let let's talk, Tyler. Can we can we touch on one last thing before we go? Zach Caleros, Zach Caleros did not have a good playoffs. His game against BC was not good. 158 yards passing. He actually played pretty bad that game. I understand the weather conditions were different. Okay, bad bad game against BC that the defense won for them. But then to come back out and basically put out the same performance or a similar type performance in the Grey Cup, he did not have a good playoffs. I gotta say, no touchdown passes in two games, not good. Um, not not a call out pod, but he did not have a good playoffs. I think no, he, he <laughs> most certainly not a call out pod. Uh, but I think he would agree that he did not have a good playoffs. That the defense actually for for Winnipeg actually to kind of carry the day, all things considered, um, and kept them in the game because it was not it was not Brady Oliver and the defense were the reason that they were in either of those games because it was not the passing game. Uh, so let's talk about that final possession uh, from Montreal that led to uh, their Grey Cup ceiling touchdown. First of all, important to note that it was set up because uh, on second and eight in Winnipeg's possession, our boy Darnell sank. He got a big sack, forcing uh, Winnipeg to punt the ball. Um, and then they go down, a couple of completions to Tyson Philpott, uh, a big rush uh, by Caleb Evans. And then Cody Fajardo is sacked. Um, and I think that, you know, that was concerning to everyone involved, Concern to say the me. least. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're looking at second and 18 uh, with a minute left. Uh, so first things first is the Cody Fajardo scramble. Gutsy, to say the least. Um when he peels out, you know, I, I was just, I was ready for him to fumble the ball, honestly. I was just thinking, oh, God. I, he, this he, is... When he got hit, he was only holding it in one hand. He did he, not And he got wrap completely up. upended. <laughs> yeah. Just like definitely legs that. whipped out from under him. And I'm just like, oh, God. Um, okay. And then we get to third and five. Um, and instead of a nice, you know, Little crossing pattern, little uh, <coughs> little uh, you know, dig route, nice five yard out. Uh, our boy Cody Fajardo lofts that sucker up, uh, thirty yards down the field. Uh, and Tyler, you have thoughts specifically on the defenses uh, play on this. So okay, give I did. Clicks. I've done. I've done my research on this, so we're gonna get kind of like deep state here. Um, oh, I love deep state. There are the way the play goes on the on the left. So if you're if you're Cody, so on the on his left side, there were there were two routes under there. Two two guys went underneath on the short route because I think it was the third and five, right? Okay, so yep. two two short routes. Uh, the outside receiver who caught the ball was that was Snead, right? Or Spiker. Spiker, sorry. Uh, Spiker just runs a straight go route. So what happens is the other two defenders, the linebacker and the other cornerback, they they take two underneath routes, and the outside cornerback. Gets suckered into taking a th- a third spiker. Kind of throws him like I'm gonna go underneath too. He there's no safety help behind him, so he tries to jump the route and be cute. Tries to end the game there rather than just keeping the play in front of him. Jamal Parker, the cor- the cornerback, and just completely leaves him open. And you know he's he almost catches back up. And that ball was actually a little underthrown. Oof, it was oh. lofted. It almost caught up to it. It almost had too much air on it and gave him time to get back to it. But he was so far out of position when that ball was thrown, it didn't even matter. And to be honest with you, I, I watched that play 10 times because it was the play. For me, it's the play. Because the game the game there, if he just if he just you know takes that, either follows the receiver and, and knows that there's no safety help there, um, you know, the game either is over or like in his brain, I don't know what he thought was going to happen there. You can't let that happen. You can let him catch it in front of you and get the first down because there's a very limited clock time left. And like I said, you know, you let them catch the short thing and make the tackle 
or you, but you keep the play in front of you because that makes it means they have to make more plays and they have to get kick a field goal, potentially miss a field goal. You don't you don't let them get like what was that a 25, 30 yard pass? You cannot let one yards. And then what happened after that is now the playbook's wide open because you got thirty seconds from the twenty yard line. You know you can kind of run whatever you want, other than like, passing wise. So you know for for Montreal, I'm not surprised they got the score there because that's a terrible. He put the, he put the defense for the next set of downs in such a terrible position because basically from there you can run anything and they did and it just you know that was the play that set it all up though so i did a little look and because jamal parker is not a name i recognized right away um so jamal parker plays special teams he plays started i think eight games i said a quarterback cornerback or something not the whole, not the not the whole season so i looked at their depth chart from their previous games okay and he'd, he'd been playing this outside cornerback for the last few games but then I noticed he'd only been playing it for like four, three or four games. But uh, he was actually the second on the, what's I I don't I underst don't understand the, the this is probably a Canadian football term that I don't quite get or the acronym. What is the SLB? They don't have an MLB no, and an ILB. They have an SLB and a something else LB. Sam linebacker. Okay, I think that's what it is. So he was a linebacker until a couple weeks ago and he wasn't even he was second on the depth chart at linebacker so he had a linebacker playing outside cornerback i don't know if that's what i would have gone with on 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 that it's not what you're cooking up i'm not putting a linebacker with no safety help out on their outside wide receiver is kind of what i'm saying um so he played it like a he now looking at that he played it like a linebacker i'm coming downhill i'm coming to make a tackle you know Instead of playing it like a cornerback, who knows that they don't have safety help over top? So I really think it's two problem, twofold there. One, wrong personnel. So that's a coach. Pro, that's a coaching problem. So I do think it is a, a defensive. And secondly, I a little bit on the player for not understanding the situation at all. Oh yeah, for, for not knowing that there's nobody behind you. You Back can't your ass you, up. You you cannot <laughs> let that player run by you. You have to whatever whatever. You have to be on them you cannot try to like do, do something like instinctive and jump the route that you think is coming because in and maybe he recognized the play and cody totally just like flipped it on him that would be sick i would love to find that out later that like actually cody was supposed to take an underneath route but he like because <laughs> but he knew he knew that they had seen the film and they would jump the route you know what i mean i, I want some like sick story like that um but that was the play for me that was like a, a you know i don't know how many dozens of plays that were in this game, but that was, to me, the most important play. I love that, Tyler. Thank you for that input. Um, deep analysis. It was, deep yeah, it was, the, it was the play. I think, like, the beauty of... Uh, the beauty of TV is that your mind was, or for myself, went through so many reactions in such a short amount of time. Is So, you know, because it wasn't a deep throw that he, you know, took a big drop and waited. That was a pretty early release for, you know, a 30-yard shot downfield. And so the ball goes up, and my first reaction is, really, this is how it ends. <laughs> and then the camera widens out, and you're like, holy hell, the guy's wide open. He's going to score. <laughs> and then it's underthrown, and you're like, no, no. And he still comes down with it, God bless. Uh, there was just such – that was just such a ride in those – you know, it's probably one second, two seconds that the you know Cody starts winding up, and then the ball is finally caught. Uh, yeah, that was just incredible drama. The last thing I would have ever expected. Um, it was awesome. Matt, talk us through that last drive, that last play from your perspective. More importantly, know, what did Emma think? Uh, Emma loved it. Uh, she was out there with us. I had her stop everything because I on that. Uh, well. She wasn't really paying attention for the the Owls drive, but she definitely keyed in for the response from the the Bombers. She really um, liked the second punt. <laughs> we, we all do. We all <laughs> love it. Uh, no, I, I think I had much the same reaction to the third and five. Um, I, it's happened a lot. Uh, it's, at some point, we will have to, and this will be my turn. You guys can do that later in the, the episode, but do have to issue kind of a mea culpa an apology oh, yeah. to Cody. Um, but that said, there's nobody in the CFL who makes, who takes my breath away. It makes me like my stomach tense up like Cody Fajardo. 
when he hauls up and, and it was the framing could not have been better like you know oh. the no cinematographer could have framed it up nicer to just see a big wide open field of green it's like a big wide shot there's no one in <laughs> no who who is cody throwing to no and just the highest thrown ball oh a an absolute a, 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 a punt, cheese a hand, puff a hand, into a hand the punt. air. I'm like, oh no! Third and five. Remember, third and five. This is not, you know, like <laughs> I thought. Oh god, he's going, he's going for it. But that, I mean, that's that's Cody. That's that's what we've Beautiful. learned. Fortune in, favors the bold. He, it, Cody is is always going to go down swinging, and. F he you, came up us. with it. I loved it, and he's become. And we've we've noted this throughout the years: is Cody on uh, low passes on darts is very accurate. It's once he starts scrambling and throwing deep balls and fade routes where things kind of just go, ask Duke Williams. Things kind of go discombobulated, but when he can throw a dart like he did to Philpot, like that's that, that I had no no doubt. When he threw that dart, I was like, "It's it's Boom. it." So I loved it. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I think we we've all had our fun ragging on Cody. He definitely invites the the criticisms with how emotional he is and how like he wears his emotions on his sleeve. Uh, he's crying all the time. Uh, and you know, he's just had a really rough go of it and people didn't believe in him. And I, I, you know, I, no one, <laughs> no one, no one drafted him. No. He was, he was undrafted. He did not spend a week on a fantasy team. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Don't That's tell anyone. Unbelievable. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's not. I'm not, I'm gonna say that's on you guys. I had Da and Caleros. <laughs> Somebody else could take the blame for that one. <laughs> but you know, so we've we've had our fun. But I, yes. am, I couldn't be happier for the guy. I was rooting for him the whole time, yes. uh, and I'm 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 happy for him. I guess Incredibly I didn't know. Happy. I guess I didn't know while he was on on Saskatchewan that I needed to nag him on. That's that was weird. Like so so strange to me that like uh, you know Mon- t- to be fair he is correct. Like playing in Saskatchewan, you do get I probably overdue praise because it's sort of a, a marquee franchise in the CFL, huge fan base. So he goes somewhere where they don't believe in the team as much, even though, and then he, he like fl- he like flips something in his head because he's a totally different personality now than he was when he was in Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan, he's like the kind of like friendly guy like kind of i would even say to to an extent sort of like willfully ignorant like kind of goofy guy sometimes um to like this like th- that video that john just referenced the the f you uh watch video. us watch us video just like, watch f you just watch i'm like where was this in saskatchewan because this is a totally different person so I don't know, maybe he got like a, like a sports psychologist or something like that, or just became developed as a leader. Maybe he really took, get, you know, basically being Probably just out. read the good book, Tyler. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, he was reading the good book all the time, and Saskatchewan didn't seem, to, didn't seem to bring this energy out of him. So I don't know, I don't know what, he ch- what he changed in his, like what he worked on in the offseason, but I think part of it was just like being a different Edging, t- probably. type of leader. Yeah, maybe his wife didn't sleep with him the entire season, which is, I guess she'll have to, she'll have to get it in now and have to wait once June hits. Um, because, yeah, he's to- totally different guy. Um, you know, I you know I was a, a, a self proclaimed Cody Fajardo hater. Um, we all know this. Um, it is of, known. We've heard about it. It is known. It is known, and and you know, uh, you know, he got one over on me big time. Can't can't deny it. Um, you got to go deeper. You have to say I apologize to Cody, and I'm sorry. That's you just that's isn't that apologizing twice? You have to say it twice. It means that much. Uh, I'm not gonna apologize for anything that I've said about Cody. Um, I, I am. Ha- I can be happy for Cody in a, a different kind of way. I, I am glad that he's was able to to at least whatever happens in his career after this, you know, he can look back 
on this great cup um, as his crowning achievement. Uh, or maybe, who knows, he could maybe he comes back next year and wins it again. I, I don't think so, but, you know, I, I've also was totally, we were all wrong or I was wrong about him beating Toronto in, in and it's just insane to me. You know, it really is like insane that they beat the Toronto, these Toronto and Winnipeg teams because these were absolute hor- incredible like workhorses all season. You know, the teams you kind of hang your hat on in Preds, you know, it's sort of like make your rec- kind of make your record look better than you actually are at Predding because they just beat everybody. Um, and Montreal took it to them. To be fair, I, we have to go back, you know, over this season and kind of see where that turn happened. But there was a turn. Montreal was sort of like middling to start the year, but. They, they found their footing, um, and they kind of just sort of, you know, under the radar. I mean, they their offense wasn't – looking back now, their defense was actually pretty good all season. Yep. Uh, yep. I think think, think got to give credit to the defense for a good season because I don't think they kind of just showed up this game these two, last two, uh, two weeks being good. Looking at all their box scores, they were consistent all season. Oh, no, I mean, they won eight straight games to end the year. I mean, they, they they flipped it, and then uh, yeah, I guess going ahead to next season, I don't know. Would you would you count them? As, I mean, are they the favorite? I don't. I couldn't. Oh no, God no! But isn't that crazy though that they that they beat? They're going to be two teams that we probably list ahead of them as favorites for next season, even though they just beat both of them. It's amazing. No, I don't. Th- I don't think that's so crazy. I think that's pretty common. I mean, think about Tom Brady's whole career. No matter who won the Super Bowl, the Patriots were going to be the favorite going into next season. It's true. Except, uh, Steelers a couple times. Were, I, no, but you get what I'm saying. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, I get. Yes, you know, people. Yeah, okay, it's a fluke year. I don't think. I don't think this is a fluke. I think Montreal will be very good. No, next I don't year. think it's a fluke. But I don't. No, I think. I don't. And I don't think it's unfair to them to say that they're not the favorite. They they went 11 and seven, while other teams went, you know, 14 and four and 16 and two. I think you know any rational person would say, yeah, I can understand why uh, people would think that the teams you know that did that might be the favorite going into next year but uh i certainly think that you know it it, next year doesn't really matter in the context of what this team did and you got to give them respect for that you know you can Can only you know it's only you know well so here's the question here here is uh, let's solve this right now gray cup two gray cup 110 two is sunday who do you got uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think I would. I. I, I mean, then again, no disrespect to Montreal. They play no, their asses off. They deserve the Grey Cup. Cody is a champion. Like it's, it's great, and I don't doubt that they could do it again. But I would also pick Winnipeg again. Yeah, I would. Winnipeg was the rightful favorites. Like I don't think that. Yeah. I don't think that's. Now should they have been? You know, we can look back and say, all right, well, maybe they shouldn't have been seven and a half point favorites. Maybe that was a little bit ridiculous. Um, but, you know, it's not, it was a tough competitive game. It was, you know, it was, it was a game won by guts and it was, it was awesome. That's why sports is great. You know, just because the underdog won doesn't, you know, doesn't make them not the underdog. Uh, I guess that's an odd way of putting it, but there's a reason the underdog's <laughs> the underdog. You know, you can't come into the game eleven and seven uh, in the regular season versus a team that you know like Winnipeg, and and you Four know straight Grey Cups, yeah. right? You know, but that's something I do want to speak about with uh, in terms of talking about Winnipeg a little bit more. Is like, man, you know, a team that. You know, I get it. You know, they've been to four straight. They they won. They, they two had in a four. A row. They had a four peat in their hands. It feels like, and they, they won and they... two in a row. Even though one of them was a, a bubblegum shortened season one. Um, but uh, man, they've kind of uh, fumbled the old bag there two years in a row. Yep. Uh, to Toronto and now to uh, now to Winnipeg or, or now to Montreal, which is a I don't know if it'll change the story on them. Uh, historically, but I think people were really ready to be like, oh, Winnipeg, like they made it back and now they're back to like reclaim the Grey Cup. Like they're going to go three for four. And I think like people, you know, oh, they're, you know, one of the best dynasties of all time. And now this definitely, it does, you know, paint them in a different light, paint Zach Caleros in a different light. You know, he's exceptional, obviously. Can he Um, do it without Andrew Harris? 
he's Ooh. had two bad. He, yes, um, but he's had two bad Grey Cups in a row, and not horrible, not horrific, but bad. Um, and it's kind of you know not a. It's an, it's an interesting situation, which I mean, kind of sucks for all us because all it means is a more uh, motivated Winnipeg team. <laughs> uh, going into next season, which I, I'm ready for the regression. I don't know if I mentioned that, uh, but it definitely will be different how we uh, remember these uh, four years and you know any more that they keep playing uh, playing at a top level. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, oh. I, I will. I will say that the East is one overtime Hamilton game away from having won three Grey Cups in a row. As much as we love to heap praise on the Western Conference, the East is, at the top levels of it, is just as good. And and they've been showing up in the playoffs, uh, you know, when it matters. We keep kind of, I guess, counting them out all regular season, and in the playoffs they keep sort of playing really well. Um, So, you know, Winnipeg, too, is also one overtime game away from being the three-time Grey Cup losers in a row, which is kind of, you know, you can flip that. I mean, of course, you can flip it around in your head, but um, still, the Winnipeg, this Winnipeg, is this Winnipeg team a dynasty? Do they need to win the next one? To be uh, a, to, with Zach, is it all depending on Zach Claros and the sort of, like, gang being together? Like, what, or they, as the dynasty window closed because of these two losses? See, that's a great question. I've been asking myself that. You know, like, uh, like I, I, I think I three out of think, five, yes. I think they, I if they win it next year. I don't think back-to-back champions is a dynasty. So nope. I don't think they're a dynasty right now. So you know, that, I, one thing oh, I do want to point one, out. One to win, yeah. Would when put when we talk Caleros, go back to 2019. 17 and 23, 170. And what we talked about back then was not how good Zach Caleros was, but how he was a game manager. He allowed guys like Chris Streveler uh, and obviously Andrew Harris to make um, to make their moves. But Zach Caleros has never been the flashy Grey Cup winning quarterback, and maybe to their own detriment. Um, maybe he's been a flashy reg- He's been a flashy regular season quarterback. Yeah, but yes, I'd have I'd have to go check out um, twenty one. Let me pull that up. I mean, 21, they won in overtime. It's not like they, (laughs) you know, it's not like they came out and and blew the doors off. Uh, 21, 21 of 32, 240 yards, two TDs, two interceptions. Uh Uh-huh. You know? um, I know. It's like three straight. It's, but I don't know that that, you know, and Cody's stat line was great from a, Completion percentage um, had a fluky interception. So Cody, I think, played out of his out of his mind. He played a, a phenomenal game, but um, but it's interesting to talk about Winnipeg because of how dominant they are, how good every layer to the team is above median. Right, they are better yeah. than half, at least half of the league in every category. But it's interesting to see when you get to the individual games where those break down, right? So Oliveira had a great game. Um, Zach did not. The receiving core did, wasn't able to really get into the end zone in the ways they have. You had the great stat, John, that Winnipeg is responsible for, was it five of the highest scoring? Um, All five high scoring games yeah. this season. So they, they, they can sling the ball um, – and get in the end zone, but they just didn't this time. So it, it's interesting to see on a micro level in the game how uh, how those pieces tend to not fit together at least about well, half the time, <laughs> as, as it were. Well, uh, speak, I've got a stat again. This is actually two consecutive tweets from our friend John Hodge at Three Down Nation. Uh, I don't know if you saw this one, but so Zach Caleros in six playoff games since the CFL's canceled season. So this is 21-22-23. 70% completion percentage. That's great. Uh, 1,224 yards. Cool. How much is only, that per game? I didn't do the math on that. You said only, six playoff games? It's only like 200 yards a game. 
only four touchdowns and eight interceptions. It's not good. Defense is six, been, defense in six carried. playoff games. Defense is carried. And this today. is somebody who, in that time span, got two MOPs and uh, it had an outstanding regular season again this year. So there, I don't know what it is. I, I mean, but yeah, Matt, to your point, he's struggling, and there's something that changes. Yep. Yep. And I think it's just it's just. The totality is the parts fitting together for Winnipeg is very important. Uh, you know, it's it seems less so for other teams. It seems like I don't know. We're getting into some historical stuff that I haven't done any research on. I'm just quickly <laughs> looking vibing. at box we're scores we're, we're and vibing before, like what we before, uh, what I can remember. We're vibing, um, <laughs> but yes, but that's where I'm at. With Pretty Zachy C. Pretty incredible. Uh, so, guys, any final thoughts, any final takeaways, anything to say about, uh, we'll say first, the Grey Cup, and then we'll say any final thoughts. The, con- uh, the content. The 2023 season. The content of the Grey Cup this year was much better than years past. Very the, good. The Marc Andre Ducroix stuff was Oof. amazing. Um, I yeah, thought he was about to go. The, I'll say the, the, Alouettes, the Alouettes parade looked sick. Uh, yeah, I think uh, the CFL, you know, we kind of dragged at the be- beginning of the season. I remember, I think I did, uh, remember the first pod. We sort of dragged the CFL, the streaming issues, the, the stats stuff. And not everything. Solved. I mean, let's. Yeah, it's let's not. not streaming, honestly, yeah. The. The. It. it I figured it out, but like. CFL Plus. You click on CFL Plus. Watch 110th Grey Cup here. You click that, and it just takes you to the live stats. And so I'm like, what are we doing here? So yeah. anyway, I, f- I found the link eventually. It was a mess. Uh, but they put on a good show this year. I, the, yes, ha- the halftime get was a good uh was a good you know f- I, I thought that was a t- like a tier one halftime show um interesting I, I really no i did i thought it was uh, you know i think that I, think I agree that, i think that was a tier one halftime show i think that 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 could have been on the super bowl no no problem with it being it, it, it was a great get um and i, I actually been able to say and also on the super bowl halftime show and there, also so it was i also better I also I don't I don't know if it was a tweet or something I read, but the the Green Day engagement on their social media with it, like uh, they said that just as many people streamed the halftime show as watched the game on TSN, so you know got eyeballs, so, so got and got American eyeballs on the CFL. People were I think Joe Burrow wore a CFL jersey, wore Alouette's jersey to like a playoff to one of his games. His dad's. Yeah, so you know, I think the CFL did a really good job, especially in the second half of the season in, in the playoffs. You know, get it, getting the branding out. I know that the CFL uh, Reddit Twitter account has said that their that their numbers have gone way, way, way up this season. So more people are watching the CFL, which is fantastic. Um, so long may it continue. Um, mm-hmm. So I hope they can. I think what the big thing this season, I'll say, the running backs, the running game was super important. And this year, I think we got a a better crop of quarterback play than we have in the nice last, crop uh, the last couple <laughs> years. So I, I hope that that continues to be to trend upward because I think good quarterback play. I think that's why the NFL product is suffering right now. There's a lot of like poor quarterback play going on in that league. So if the CFL can maintain their quarterback quality, it maintains the the quality of the of the game. So especially more in, in CFL style, uh, rules football because you know it, oh, it, it gotta have it. Gotta it's it's even somehow more important than it is in in NFL football. So um, I I just want good quarterback play because it really it really makes the games a lot more fun. Matt thoughts? Yes, I uh, agree. Uh, I think. The Grey Cup delivers in general. Um, just seems like people come come to play, uh, and I I just really appreciated um, 
the CFL seemed to take a little bit of a, a backseat to the teams. Teams have been unbelievable throughout this year, and something that really stepped up after COVID. The teams themselves, in terms of their digital content, their marketing, has been unreal. Um, and you know the the whole stat situation. Randy uh, admitting that they took a, a swing and, and whiffed is, is is what it is. He's beating the drum for Atlantic again. It's like, dude, we're in such a good we we really were. I I do still think rocky ground at the beginning of this year. Like I I don't look back and think I missed something. I think CFL was on really rocky ground. Oh yeah. Um, much stronger. A lot of work to do, but like this is such a great step into next year. I hope we see stuff like, um, what what is uh, Ottawa called? <laughs> Behind the R, around the R, behind the R, behind the R. Show respect. Um, lot of stuff. I, I want to see a lot of off-season content. Um, you know, we've got this Andrew Harris documentary coming out. Uh, just I'm hearing the there's a larger going. documentary. So have you seen about this? Yes, that, yeah. Uh, sorry, I guess I don't know exactly what you mean by larger documentary. So not the Andrew Harris. So Andrew Harris has his own documentary, but yes. I've uh, based on accounts I follow of like CFL content people, there have been like uh, documentary cameras like around the playoff games and around games that are not like attached to the teams. So I've heard that too. I yeah, I, I didn't wider know ranging was... CFL documentary in the works, which would be nice. Yeah, I think it, I think it's just so important. You got a ton of goodwill out of this uh, this Grey Cup. You can roll that into next season, um, and then just roll out the red carpet for the boys to come up to Vancouver yes. uh, for one eleven. Yes, ideally, if I'm you know being honest, my ideal one eleven. Grey Cup matchup. I want BC in it. I want a home team. That would be fun uh, playing. Uh, because you're gonna because you're gonna be there. Because I'm gonna be there. Playing Toronto would probably be the matchup I'd most want. If we're really up. if we're shooting for the stars, let's just get BC, BC Edmonton Edmonton on the crossover <laughs> in the crossover match. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Like, Why not? Let's do it. Let's go. Um, yeah, I think, uh, fuck, man, just shout. It, it all turns out, I think my takeaway on the Grey Cup is just like it again proves why one-off single elimination playoff games in whatever sport you want to do, you know, whether it's uh, knockout World Cup rounds, CFL playoffs, it's the best competition you can ask for. There's nothing like it, uh, and in those, anything can happen. Um, that's why the NBA playoffs suck. We don't need seven <laughs> games of nonsense. Give me one game, just a pure action, and let the dice fall where they may. Chips fall where they may, you know, whatever you want to say. Um, it's awesome. It's awesome. It was an incredible game, and it felt like a just reward for sticking through the season. So I was very happy. I was very happy. And then as far as my uh, thing to say on the season as a whole, um, I think that I just hope more teams, I've probably said this before, like more teams, if they learn from, I, I know CFL free agency is my favorite thing, but I will say when a team makes it to the Grey Cup four straight years, uh, you can look at the lack of turnover year over year on both sides of the ball for Winnipeg and probably look at that. So obviously you got to get the right guys in the building. So I just hope more teams uh, try and keep a little bit of co- more continuity uh, with their team year to year uh, and get the job done because that clearly uh, leads to some success. If we can just get more teams showing up with the same guys year over year, I think that does help build a fan connection uh, around the league. So that's what I'd look for, and that, that was uh, something I think that we, we should applaud Winnipeg for, even though they did not seal the deal. <laughs> are you okay with uh, the with the Alouettes eating poutine out of the Grey Cup? I'm okay with it. Or is it disrespectful? Dis- love it. Is that disrespectful? No, it's not no. disrespectful. Everybody, people drink every. I mean, look at the claret jug. I mean, for golf, people have eaten yeah. ice cream out of it. That's what you do with Fruit it. Fruit Loops out of the Stanley Cup. He did. I 
he did even put a uh they put a, liner a plastic on cover it. yeah put a liner on it i think that's just because he doesn't like a metallic taste in his gravy <laughs> uh, that's why I would, <laughs> i'd be worried about the my milk silver yeah. le- leaching into it yeah lead in your dairy gold um yeah but it looked awesome no i it made me just want poutine it's a <laughs> cold day up in here in oregon i just wanted some poutine it looked delicious <laughs> Love it. Absolutely delicious. Yeah, but it was beautiful. Um, so I guess now it is order of business to crown the 2023 uh, predictions pool champion, which I will turn over to Matt to do the honors. The prediction pool winner, tiebreaker, based on a score. Two seasons in a row, mind you, that that's, champ, what's, champ. that's what it's been. John Boylo. Congratulations. Champ, oh. champ, champ. Wow. Stole First the champ, champ champ from me on a tiebreaker and now has secured the champ champ for himself on a tiebreaker. That is incredible. <laughs> Hell I season. think we know who knows the CFL the best. We just do. I mean, it's a dynasty between you and I. <laughs> All right, I had I had a I had a run the last two years that was pretty good though before this season. Hey, listen, listen. I had a win and then a, and I, I had a win and then and then Peter Peter I, got me on the just, on the we're just having fun. We're having fun together. I think I think you know it means a lot to be champ champ. I've been wanting this for a long time. Uh, first champ champ uh, in league history, and uh, now I just think that it's all about. Uh, I think I think we need to get Peter. In and committed, and if we really make it a true four-person league, I think we up the competitiveness a bit, and then see if I can yep. get champ champ in a four-person league versus a three-person league. Yeah, Peter's got to stop making excuses because life is going to keep happening. He's Dude. going to he's going to have kids and get married and do other and have a job. Like it's the yes, and the pod stops for no one. The pods, the <laughs> CFL stops for no one. The pod stops for no one. Life stops for no one. So Peter needs to shit or get off the pot because we can we can find a fourth person if it's not Peter. I'm gonna, I'm saying it now. I'm not saying kick Peter off the pod, but he's not even on the pod. It's my, it's, right. it's my that's my warning All to right. Pete. I think I think Peter is needs to participate <laughs> participate next year. Or we start looking for a fourth. Interesting. Interesting. Or a fifth, uh, whatever you want to call it, because uh, we're just not, you know, it, it's, it's, you need, you do need four teams to, to make all things truly competitive. I agree. You do. Um, you probably also shouldn't let me draft Zach Caleros, Brady Oliveira, and uh, Vernon <laughs> Adams Jr. It's fair enough. Looking back, and also the, the midseason Kenny Lawler pickup was class. <laughs> Um, but I digress. Um, anyway, uh, let's talk 2024. Do we have a pred, uh, from anyone about that upcoming season? I'm going to swing for the fences here. Go for it. And I'm going to call it two time gray cup champion. McLeod Bethel Thompson. Oh, Oh, my word. Coming back for... I can't decide if it's going to be Hamilton or Ottawa, but I do believe it's going to be one of the two. Ham. It has to be, right? I feel I like it's, it's going to be. Uh, Ham is where my, my gut is telling me. It's on. It's in Ontario. He's already lived in Ontario. I think it's Ham. He is a West Coaster, though. But he's not going to. I don't. Ugh. Is Ottawa the West Coast? No, so I was saying. Uh, but, I mean, obviously. The one that's, you know, the interesting thing that stuck out to me when I saw the NBT news, the team that I most said, I, I bet they give him a call. Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Well, uh, apart from the obvious three of Saskatchewan, Ottawa, Hamilton, if I was the Calgary Stampeders, I would give McLeod Bethel Thompson a call. He's a year removed from the league. He's older. If there's any chance you can get him on some kind of a bargain deal to come in and compete with Jake Mayer for that job, uh, I I would be intrigued with that. I would be, in in theory, you have a healthy team next year uh, with Malik Henry returning, Mark and Michelle, Reggie Bagleton. Uh, you cannot uh, squander that sort of um, weaponry 
So I would be interested in Calgary giving MBT a call, though I know finances will complicate that. But that's the team that most intrigues me because they're going to bring, you have to bring legitimate competition in for Jake. Like, I was thinking about this. You can't Drew Brown as a free agent, Winnipeg's backup. I don't think that's an appropriate move for Calgary. You can't bring a backup in to compete with Jake. You need to bring a somebody with starting experience in. Jake was so weird, like had multiple 400-yard games like that just disappeared at times. Absolutely. But, uh, he needs to. I, he needs to. He needs to figure himself out. I. I think you need to bring somebody with legitimate starting experience in to compete against Jake, and so uh, that's McLeod uh, kind of interested me. It, it, it interested me about that. Um, but yeah, I love that prediction. Um, Tyler. Oh, prediction. Uh, I think that the. I think that the winner of the Grey Cup will come out of the East for the third year in a row, despite the West's seeming dominance for the last half decade uh, plus. So, yeah, uh, I think I think the East again, and I and I do throw think a, you want to throw a name on that. I no, <laughs> I, I do think MBT ends up in Hamilton ultimately. I think that uh, I think that'd be a good spot for him. Um, I also I don't know if he's got any access to grind with Toronto. Maybe he wants a little revenge. You know, people make up their own narratives in their head. So maybe he wants a little action. He wants to play Toronto two, three times a season. So, uh, any, like I said, anything that raises the co- level of quarterback play in the league is good for the league. So, uh, wh- wherever he lands, he improves the roster. Doesn't matter. True. Um, so, True. so happy to have him back. Um, and yeah, I wonder if I wonder if our boy down in Jacksonville. I wonder how that's going. I wonder. I wonder if I wonder if making four hundred twenty five thousand dollars. I know, minimum. but I know, but I don't know what's going. Maybe maybe in a in a few years he decides. You know, that's this is nice, but I, I you know I've made I've made I've done what I've wanted to do down here, and he wants to come back. That that would also be fantastic. Let's go build a legacy. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I got I the bat. I, I got God. my. I see. Oh. That would be amazing. I don't know if I could see it happening eventually, but not right now, obviously. So, uh, yeah, um, I don't have any other big splash preds for you. I, I do think that I, I am. I want to see a full season of Willie stand back healthy. Uh, that, that, that I will say the Great Cup made me made me pine for for Willie running over players. Uh, he so really I, did play like impactful. That touchdown was so sick. It was, it was awesome. so necessary. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping he, Willie's back. I'm hoping um, uh, Calgary wide receiver. My brain is uh, slipping. Malik right Henry. Now. I hope Malik Henry. I want to see, you know, some of these, some of these players who I, I really thought were going to have really great seasons. Uh, you know, that got hurt early on. Kind of want to see, see these guys back and healthy next season because, uh, yeah, you know. Just uh, makes makes for a more competitive league, which is all which is all we can ask for. Tyler, and I, that and I think the Elks, I think the Elks, right? They want my bold pad. I think the Elks finish with at least three home wins next season. Wow, setting the bar high. <laughs> wow, I think that Tyler, it's great that you talked about players coming back from injury. My season-ending pred. My pred ahead to 2024. Well, I like that. Trademark that. Pred ahead. Pred ahead. Mm. I'll add that to the bullet points. Uh, is that Jeremiah Masoli comes <laughs> okay. back and throws double-digit touchdowns. That's... I don't know for who. I don't know what else he does. But my man is throwing double-digit touchdowns. That's all I got for obviously, you. Obviously, I hope so. That's what I got for you. It would be a beautiful thing. Um, and then I will also say that my standings in the West next year are going to look like at the end of the season, BC, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, Saskatchewan. Seems like that's about right. Book it. <laughs> Which also, you know, I think the, a big storyline, we're going to talk not a call out pod. Um, is Saskatchewan um, in general? 
because they're got they're, good merch they, though. Good merch. They don't seem fantastically well managed, top to bottom. Um, Did the brothers Dickinson need to kick rocks? <laughs> I don't think so. No, I think Dave, especially, doesn't need to. Dave um, definitely needs to. But okay. But you know, this is like I, I don't give any credence to. Um, the Moz and Cody thing. I, I mean, vindication for them on a personal level, but I don't think that Saskatchewan was wrong for getting rid of them. Like it was a, a specific Montreal team that could have accepted them and, and done this. Um, but at the same time, like that is never good to give up your uh, quarterback and head coach and then go win a Grey Cup and you're floundering at the bottom of John standings, Pred. Tough. Tough for them. <laughs> Tough for them. Couldn't be me. Uh, I don't see uh, Edmonton making top three, though. So, Haters going to hate. <laughs> All right, boys. Anything else? Or should we bid these fine people adieu before we... We'll talk to them, Sue. Obviously, we've got to do CFL teams as European nations. I'm not letting that one die. Oh, yeah. I want to hear that. Forgot about that one. Um, but uh, let's see. Maybe uh, maybe three weeks from now sometime. We'll get to it. Uh, but you might not hear from Sounds us for good. a little bit. Uh, but we love you. Thanks for sticking with us, uh, with us for another season. Uh, gentlemen... It was a pleasure as always, um, but it'll feel good to, uh, you know, go to bed early on Tuesday nights for a little while. And not have to get up at six in the morning on, on Wednesdays. All right. Peace out, boys. Adieu. Adieu. Thank you, listeners.